Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so very much for being here in worship for this special service this morning. As Pastor Bish said, we certainly welcome you who are our guests. Those of you who have come to town to be with family members on this wonderful day as you watch the young members of your family speak their vows of membership to Christ's church. I trust that you all know this, but if you do not, I want to be very sure that you understand and know this this morning, that God is present everywhere. God is present everywhere. Whether you go to a good place or you go to a bad place, God is already there. If you want to meet God, if you want to know who He is, if you desire Him with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength, even though you have raging confusion going on in your life, you tell Him that, you make yourself available, and God will meet you. God will meet you anywhere. That's stated very clearly in the Scriptures, and I want to show you where it is, and I want you to hear how magnificently it is written there in Psalm 139, verses 7 to 12. Here's what the psalmist said, where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. That's the good place. If I make my bed in hell, that's the bad place. Behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. There has never been and there will never be a time when God is absent. Now there was that intertestamental period, that period between the Old Testament and the New Testament that some of you know about when God was very silent, but he wasn't absent. He hadn't left his people. Listen to what the Lord's Spirit said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 13. It's so relevant and so applicable today. And you will seek me and find me. You hear the definiteness? You hear the absoluteness? And you will seek me and you will find me. Here's a guarantee. It's a divine guarantee for you. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. So here's what that means. To you young people... And to all the rest of you, it means go to school. It means compete in sports, present music, 
sing and dance and hang out with your friends and enjoy your family. God is in each of those things. He is already there. Whether or not he is identified, whether or not he is acknowledged, God is already there and by his Holy Spirit can make his way known if we want to experience life in his way. In 1887, Eliza Hewitt wrote a hymn. Within that hymn is a stanza that makes a beautiful prayer for our lives. It is so relevant for this morning, but it is so applicable to every day of my life and yours. I want to share that line with you, and I invite you to make it now a prayer, even as we are into the morning message. Let us pray. More about Jesus. Let me learn more of his holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. Amen. Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. You know that's right out of the heart of Scripture. That is exactly what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do, that is what he promised could happen if we open ourselves to the movement of God's Spirit. Wherever we are, God is there. His Spirit is there. It's why we feel strange in some bad situations. It's why we feel uncomfortable when we are places where we ought not to be. Because as Christians, there is a righteousness there is an ethic, there is a purpose, there is a power, there is a presence, and there ought to be a peace in us that comes only from Jesus Christ. And when we allow ourselves to go into those places where we ought not to be, those places that are bad, those thoughts that we ought not to own, God's Spirit is going to speak to us. He's going to cut across those ideas, those thoughts that we have, and He's going to trouble us. Oh, we may not give in to Him, but he's going to trouble us. He's not going to give us any rest. Spirit of God, my teacher be. Here's what Jesus said about that. John remembered his words. It's in the 14th chapter, the 26th verse. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. God has it set up that when we are in a bad place and when we are not doing what we have said to him we will do, he works in our conscience and his Holy Spirit moves through the situation and we are troubled and we are ill at ease. And God will not let go of us because we are that precious, we are that valuable, we are that wanted by the Father himself. Now, that promise that Jesus made that we just read from John was powerfully delivered 
in an upper room in Jerusalem. You heard Pastor Bish and, and Megan Cruzmark read the story of the delivery of that power in the upper room in Jerusalem. And what happened to the people who were in that room, who were gathered there? Well, the Bible says the Holy Spirit filled their hearts and minds. The church was born. Historically, Pentecost Sunday is the birthday of the church. As a result of that, the Holy Spirit calling them out, teaching them, bringing to mind all that Jesus had said and done, the Bible was produced. They remembered what he had said, and they wrote it down. And we have this precious book before us as a result of that Spirit moving upon those people that day. And that same Spirit that has been present since the creation of the world, you go back in the Scriptures to the book of Genesis, and the Spirit was brooding across the face of the waters. It's one Spirit. It's God's Spirit. That Spirit that has always been of the heart and mind of God is the same Spirit that is in this room today. That is the same Spirit who wants to be our teacher and take you and me into the truth of Jesus Christ. Wherever we go, the Spirit of God is present. And here's what He wants to do. He wants to counsel. He wants to comfort. He wants to calm. And He wants to control us by God's will. People in that upper room were like you and me. Like you kids in the confirmation class like your parents, like your aunts and uncles, like your grandparents, like your friends in this congregation. The people in that upper room were just like all of us. They had issues. They had issues. Some of them were, were jealous of one another because Jesus had given them more responsibility when he was with them than he had given others. Some of them were resentful because they had been faithful and others among them had not been faithful. All of the human elements, all of the human issues, the things that upset me and you were present in that upper room. Make no mistake about it, humanity, with all of its flaws and faults, was in that room. And so what did they do? From the time that, that Jesus rose from the dead until Pentecost, they spent time together. Now imagine that. They spent weeks together, people who had issues with one another. Doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. You can probably think of any number of people that you don't want to spend an hour with let alone weeks. But they spent weeks together. But you know what they did? When they were together, they used their time very, very well because they 
individually wanted to know Jesus. But they knew that they couldn't know Jesus until they were right with one another. And so they gave themselves to prayer. They dared to pray through their problems. They dared to name their resentments to God and to one another. They confessed to one another the difficulty that they had in relationships. And they found forgiveness and healing for one another. And when that happened, they opened the channel for the Holy Spirit to be so real in that room. The room was filled with it. Notice that in that reading, there were two fillings of the Holy Spirit. First, the Bible says the house, the whole house where they were gathered was filled with the Spirit. And then secondly, being aware of that fullness of the Spirit in the building, the people themselves became filled with the Spirit of God. And as He came into them, they came together. And then what happened? Well, they focused on Jesus. And they found freedom from that self-centeredness, that bad place where they had been. The competitiveness was gone. The pride was gone. The defensiveness was dismissed. All the selfish stuff that had controlled them had been confessed to God and one another. And it was a new day. And in that new day, God birthed a church. Wind and fire and praise filled that house where they met. People in the neighborhood heard the noise. In fact, the noise wasn't confined just to the neighborhood. It went out through the community. And the Bible says that crowds gathered around the house to see what was going on. They thought somebody was really having a party. They even thought the people in the house were drunk. And you heard what Megan's section of the scriptures said as Peter defended them and said, they're not drunk. It's only mid-morning. These people are not drunk, but something great and marvelous has occurred. It was a new day, and as a result of those walls coming down between them, the animosity being washed away, and their coming together with forgiveness toward one another, God's Spirit was able to move. There were bad things in their lives. God hadn't separated from them, but they had to get them out of the way because they were bigger, you see, in their mind, in their hearts, than God was. And when they dumped that stuff, the Spirit rushed in, and they were new people. And that's the way God works even to this very moment, to this very day. You see, not only... Had they been with Jesus, but now Jesus was in them. And that made all the difference. So here's the truth that we gather out of this scripture. The deeper you are in Christ, the more people will wonder about you. The deeper you are in Christ, 
the more people will wonder about you. But then changed lives will result. The crowds gathered outside that house. They wanted to know what was going on. They had seen how those people related to one another. They thought they were having quite a party. Well, they were, but not in the sense that the townspeople thought. It had been a party of great healing, reconciliation, and now wholeness remained. The apostles preached after the Spirit came into that house. Thousands responded. A lame man was healed. And because of the preaching and the teaching of the apostles and the healing of the lame man, Peter and the others were taken in before the Sanhedrin, the highest ruling religious court of the Jews. And they were taken there to be threatened, to be told not to say anything of Jesus. Listen to what the text says. They're standing before this august ruling body of the Jews, the Sanhedrin. And here's what happens to the Sanhedrin. Listen to the progression. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they weren't like the Sanhedrin. They hadn't been to rabbinical school. They didn't have the lofty degrees that the, that the men who were sitting as their judges had. They were common men. They perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. That word boldness is an important word in Scripture. In the ancient language, it means telling all, telling all with conviction so that the character of one's life is based on an undeniable truth and spoken with great confidence. The Spirit of God is everywhere. You cannot go where God's Spirit will not be found. If you're in a good place or a bad place, the Spirit of God is there. Do you remember, I know you do, the terrible picture of men kneeling on a beach just a little over a year ago. 21 men knelt before their ISIS captors. And they were asked if they would give up their relationship to Jesus Christ in order to live. Twenty of those men were Christians. The 21st man was a contractor who was there to do special work, but he had been brought in with the Christians. He was not a Christian. One by one, we saw them, just as he did, go down the line and behead every one of those men because they would not say no to Jesus Christ. They came to that 21st man who was not 
a Christian. And they said, and what about you? And what about you? And he said, I belong to their God. And he was gone. And like the thief on the cross, he was in paradise. Whether you're in a good place or a bad place, God is there. God is there. There are some of you here this morning who want to know who you are. All your life you've struggled with an identity. You've struggled with an awareness about yourself, your value, your place. You're wondering, even now, perhaps some of you in old age, whose you are, who you really belong to. Some of you are still questioning why you were ever born. And that's an empty place to be. You don't want to stay there. God is already there with you. If you will do what these first apostles did, if you will open yourself and admit to Him whatever your reluctance is, whatever your holding back is about, whatever the hurt or the ache or the anger or the bitterness or the vindictiveness is that you're carrying and admit that. That wind and fire of the Spirit will come in and will cleanse and, and will perfect you by Jesus. You can know who you are. And by Jesus, you can be known as a woman, as a man of confidence and capability. And here's what will happen. God will use you as his model. God will use you as a model of his power and his presence and his peace. And like the apostles of old, people will marvel at you. And then they will realize what has happened. You live with Jesus. You live with Jesus. You may not be talking about Jesus all the time. You may not be quoting scripture. But the way you react, how you respond, what you're willing to do and not do is all a statement about whose you are. So many of you come here this morning believing that our world needs to change. And I stand beside you in that concern and that belief. There is so much wrong with life in 2016. God is in all of it. 
But only when God is in us, young people, only when God is in us, young parents, only when God is in us, all of you, will the world change. The message of Pentecost Sunday is that the healing spirit, the powerful spirit, the burning spirit comes. And when he comes, he cleanses and he perfects and he creates a people who are known by Jesus. And with those people, he changes the world. Hallelujah. That's who you can be. That's what the church is. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Father, we give you thanks and praise for the magnificent truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he released, according to his promise, the Holy Spirit, to comfort, counsel, calm, direct us, to help us stand in righteousness and goodness when we are in good places and when we are in bad places. How the Holy Spirit will enable us to be yours and through us, your church. Bring about the change, the transition to healing and wholeness in the world. Father, I pray that your spirit is able to move in the hearts and in the minds of each person here today and that we will allow ourselves to be your next great offering, your next sweeping movement across the creation. In the name of Christ our Savior and our Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. Will you stand please?